0: Five, four three two one zero all engine running liftoff we have a liftoff
1: and welcome back into the bama on three show this is your host clint lamb sitting here once again with jimmy stein jimmy how are we doing on this tuesday morning two days ahead of the nfl draft I am so
0: excited about the draft. Yeah, primarily Alabama and rooting for our guys, Bryce and Will and Brian Branch on Thursday. But uh, the whole draft excites me. I I, I followed it. I watch and, and read so much stuff. I mean, I'm just ready for so much fascinates me about the draft from where Bijan's going to go. The other quarterbacks, the pass rushers, what are the Texans going to do it too? Now there's a late rumor about Will Levis and the Panthers. It's just all a blast to me.
1: Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and I normally am able to focus a lot more on the NFL draft and do a lot more player evaluations. I think I only got through about 50 this year, which, you know, I would say there's not going to be many guys selected in the first round that I hadn't evaluated. Like, that's where I start normally. That and quarterbacks are normally where I always start, but typically I can get close to about 200. This year it was only about 50, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the whole 200 thing anymore. Alabama's basketball team's good. That's a lot more coverage. Spring, the NFL draft is happening. So, you got to be doing other stuff, you know, relating to that, doing the podcast, doing the, you know, all the things that we got going over it on at Bama Insider. So, at the same time, I'm excited to see how things turn out. I'm probably going to put out uh, a mock draft on Thursday morning, like a final one, because I did do one already. But I just, I don't know if uh, we'll see how it turns out. But, yeah, I mean, Will Levis going number one overall? Uh, apparently, someone posted, I think, on Reddit saying that it, it was a rumor. It was a, a nobody with any, you know, sort of reputation uh, or credibility. I guess is the word I'm looking for that posted it. But at the same time, Vegas has reacted accordingly for whatever reason. So now he's, I think, he's got the second best chances, which is just. But anyways, we're we're not here to talk about the draft yet good to have some of that later on this week. But we are here to talk about some other positions reacting to A-Day. Yesterday we covered the quarterbacks, the secondary, the the off-ball linebackers. And now I want to talk a little bit about the offensive line because it's a big topic for a lot of people. Jimmy, we didn't see out of this group what I think we were all anticipating we were going to see. The struggles in pass protection I think we all anticipated. It's It's a Different style of player that's been recruited that's in the lineup and, and everything else. And in past eight-day games, there's been tons of sacks given up. So it's not like this is anything crazy, but it, that side of things made sense. The inability to establish the run game, really first or second team offensive line, it was tough sledding for all the running backs pretty much. I, the first team did a little bit better. Uh, the running backs, I want to say, average about five and a half yards of carry, which isn't terrible. But it was just—it felt like they were having to to fight, scratch, and claw for every yard they got. It wasn't really domination up front. Now, granted, defensive line matters, opponent matters, uh, and all that stuff. But just what what were your reactions to the offensive line and how it performed on Saturday? And then maybe compare that to what we had heard about this group throughout the spring.
0: Yeah, I think part of it is if if you've if if there's really been a shift or an emphasis or a scheme change in terms of. A commitment to running the ball, how we're going to run the ball, formations and motions in terms all involved with running the football. I don't think you're going to show your opponents that. I, I think you want to kind of spring that on them a little bit when the season gets here, particularly week two against Texas. So I think it was a vanilla to the point of trying to hide changes that have been made. I, I, I think that 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 was a big thing. So I fully expect when Alabama – plays this fall to see a different mindset, a different emphasis on running the ball and being more physical up front. And I think during a day, we basically saw what amounted to a lot of last year's stuff real plainly. <laughs> it's the best way I can, I would describe it. Uh, in, in terms of how they performed in the personnel, you know, I, I think we all know that the left tackle uh, with the first team, Elijah Pritchett really struggled Part of that's due to he's playing against good players. I mean, no no doubt that's a part of it. But regardless of that, he, he's going to play even better players during the fall in the games that count. i, I, I just come out of it thinking Alabama might need uh, improved play at left tackle from either him or another kid in there. One of the two. He's got to get better or you need another kid there. Left guard, I think, is something that a lot of Alabama fans have looked to because they have a hard time buying the fact that Darian Dalcourt is the best player Alabama has, you know, for that spot. I'm more inclined to believe that he is, and I thought he played okay in this game. Uh, But I do think that those two positions will go into fall camp a little vulnerable. I think the other positions are on lockdown. I think Latham, Booker, McLaughlin, that's done. You can just... Put them down and chisel it in the rock. They're the starters, I think. Pritchett at left tackle and Dowcourt at left guard are either going to start or at least try to fend off two players from stealing their spots. And in my mind, those two players are Caden Proctor, who I thought was outstanding. Now with the twos against lesser players, but I thought he was outstanding. And T.J. Ferguson or Terrence Ferguson. Uh, at left guard. I think he's really turned a corner and he played like a starter to me or a potential starter. So to me that's the questions as we go into the fall. uh it looks like we're gonna you know practice one day one fall camp same starting five we had out there on a day. will Pritchett and Dowcourt fend off Proctor and Ferguson or will we use a rotation like we did a year ago? I would never believe we would rotate players on the offensive line, but now Nick Saban has done it. So now we can't rule that out anymore. Now we can say, well, he's done it before. So that could be an interesting facet of it too. But I think once we settle on the five, I really believe this will be a great run blocking group and a pretty good pass blocking group.
1: Yeah, there are going to be some limitations with the pass blocking period. I mean, when you put such an emphasis on the run game uh, and the style of player that you're recruiting, you know, can really, they're big guys. They can move well downhill. They can dig guys out of there. I mean, it, you're going to have some deficiencies as far as their abil- ability to to protect the quarterback. But if you're able to do the the run game successfully, then that's going to take pressure off of them as pass protectors. I also think that we don't talk enough about how in a post Bryce Young era, I think, I could be wrong, but I think that they're going to do a better job of protecting the offensive line. That is one knock on Bryce Young is that because of all the responsibilities that he had pre-snap as far as getting the guys in the right play in the right formation, making sure the protection was all correct, uh, you know, you would eat into that play clock a ton, and I know that Alabama fans had a huge problem with that, and when you've got one or two or three seconds left on the play clock... You've now completely eliminated the advantage that the offensive line has over the defensive line, as far as when the football is going to be snapped. So, you know, by by being able to run the football more effectively, by being able to you know snap the football with more time on the play clock, where you do have that advantage for your offensive line, that natural advantage. Those two things alone can really offset a lot of the issues that you might have, as far as their ability to actually do the pass blocking. Uh, so, I definitely want to point that out. And you are correct as far as the talent difference. You know, Q Robinson, we've been hearing really good things about him and just how he's performed throughout the spring. Keanu Coat, going into his third year. He's an older guy now. Uh, Jeremiah Alexander's going into year two. He didn't play in year one. And he is not really as explosive of a player as a guy like Q Robinson. So he's the guy that Proctor was going against. He's a lot more of a, a run stopping, edge setting outside linebacker who didn't ha- necessarily have the same level of explosiveness as a pass rusher. While you've got Robinson, who is a that is, you know, his biggest strength that and being able to drop into coverage. So I, I do think that Pritchett had a much tougher test. I do think technique wise, there was a lot of things that he was doing that he he really was not helping himself. And just comparing what he was doing compared to what J.C. Latham on the same snaps was doing as far as their pass sets and the depth they were getting. And, you know, there was one time where, you know, I think that uh, Elijah Pritchett lost where the quarterback was relative to him. He thought that he was much further upfield, so he kind of he didn't make as much of an effort to continue to run the outside linebacker upfield to take him out of the quarterback's way. And you almost saw a sack on that play as well. So it's things like that, little nuanced things that, the talent with Pritchett is certainly there, but it's going to take him some time. And I don't think that fans, you know, should be upset with that. So, Jimmy, I mean, anything else on the offensive line? Because it is a very important spot. I mean, I think everything they're doing this offseason, I think the style of quarterback that they want to have, uh, the fact that they want to become more physically dominant, just the entire identity of the football team, to me, is going to be built around that offensive line. So it is a very important position.
0: I have a lot of confidence in that group, actually. I think 2020 was one of the best in school history. Let's even say it was the best. But 2021, it was a mess. That that, that was a mess in 2021. We played around it, and I think the coaches did a fantastic job of putting a really good season together, an SEC championship season, getting to the national championship game, playing around the fact that the offensive line wasn't good at all. That's... How they did that is just a tribute to Coach Saban and all the coaches on that team. Uh, Last year, it was better. It was better. Uh, Was it as good as it needs to be? Absolutely not. Was it better? It was miles better, frankly. I mean, it was was definitely better. Uh, Now, what about this year? I think if we can just say, well, it was even better than 2022, then we're in in good shape. We're in good shape if this is an improved group. Over last season, and I believe it will be. I like our first seven guys. I, we are subject to if there's a rash of sprained ankles on the offensive line, we're in trouble. Because I think once we get beyond the seventh or eighth guy, we could have a, we we don't have a lot of experience, and and it might not be great. But as long as we can keep the starting unit to our best five to seven guys, uh, I I have a lot of confidence that this is going to be a strength of the team now Elijah Pritchett if he's going to be the left tackle long-term Clint, you're right I think we're going to have to live with some occasional breakdowns and matchups, which force us to do things like move the tight end over there keep a back over there help him out you know because he is a redshirt freshman uh and, and if it's Proctor I would say the same thing I mean Proctor gets to be a freshman too uh you know he, he he's not going to bat a thousand either so Uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that spot, but I love the raw talent and I think coach Wolf does a great job and our tight end play as we'll we'll talk about shortly will be improved and can help the tackles more than they've helped him the past few years.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, And, you know, I've seen where some people say that they think it's possible that Tyler Booker will kick over to the left side, to left guard, if, Caden Proctor ends up being the left tackle I don't necessarily know that's going to be the case I understand the logic behind it but I mean I would say if that was going to happen we've already talked about it Elijah Pritchett due to injury is essentially a true freshman I think that you would want to help him every bit as much as you would want to help Caden Proctor I think the bigger priority because I've argued that that is one side of it and it's something that I, I certainly understand where people are coming from but I think more importantly what I've learned is that if you're going to be able to run the football effectively, if you want to become that dominant run football team, typically it's strong right. So the right side of your offensive line is more geared towards running. The left side of your offensive line is geared more towards pass protection because you're protecting the quarterback's blonde side. That's typical. Uh, Granted, you got Evan Neal at left tackle. You know, A lot of people are like, why aren't you running it off of Evan Neal more than you are trying to run it off of Chris Owens? A lot of that has to do with right versus left. I mean, it's just it's a comfortability factor in the way that plays are called and, and things like that. A right side of your offensive line with a 335-pound J.C. Latham and a 335-pound Tyler Booker is going to wreak havoc. And so I don't think they want to mess with that too much. So I do think that that is important to keep in mind as well. I've also heard people say, hey, if you're struggling at left tackle, why don't you want to move J.C. Latham over there? Why is that not an option? It could be. I won't completely rule that out, but understand what you're what you're doing. If that happens, your starting right guard is gone. Your center is in the same spot, but your left guard new. Uh, your left tackle is new. If you move JC Latham, how many of your offensive linemen are either new, whether they weren't like meaning they weren't a full time starter? I would not count Tyler Booker in there as a true full time starter. And he played both right and left guard. So he does count as one of those guys where he's going to be comfortable in both. But J.C. Latham has spent last year at right tackle. He spent his entire college career on the right side. And so now you've got him adjusting to the left side. That's another adjustment you got to make with your offensive line. It's another new spot. And he played that in high school and stuff, and that's fine. But I think Caden Proctor, who played left tackle in high school, that's what he's most comfortable with. He might be built more like a right tackle. He might, you know, eventually make the shift to that side. But if you're starting him as a true freshman, I can see the logic of let's have him where he's most comfortable where he's played. And so I do think that that's pretty important to keep in mind as well. So we'll move on to the next position, the wide receivers. Everybody wants to talk about all the drops and stuff. Jimmy, are you concerned about this group at all?
0: Yes, yes, drops. <laughs> now, my understanding, and I think it's yours too, is I don't think drops were the wide receiver issue of the spring. I think that was an 8 day thing or primarily an 8 day thing and that drops were just super pervasive on A day, and that hadn't really been the case in other practices. And if that's the case, maybe it was a one-off and we shouldn't lose sleep over it. But that was the chance we all had to watch the team play and the drops were outrageously bad, just too many. And not every one of them were just, hey, the ball hit them right square in the hands and they dropped it. That did happen. But some of the plays that we're calling drops were difficult catches and and that's a different category of drops and sometimes balls could be caught and we call that a drop I think drops should be balls that should be caught uh, not balls that well it would have taken a circus catch but you could have brought that down but let's talk about the personnel I want to talk one one guy in particular although we'll talk about all of them I'll tell you one guy gets kind of a raw deal I think from the fans in terms of I see this in Alabama all the time because we recruit so well. (laughs) We bring a player in who's super highly regarded in recruiting, but he doesn't immediately knock our socks off. So our more demanding fans then proclaim him overrated because he didn't live up to his five-star billing or whatever billing, and uh, he's overrated. And we sort of give him that label, and then time moves on and he's played his whole freshman year and maybe played his whole sophomore year now. And he's got that label that we gave to him. And now you look at him, and you're like, you know, who's a much better player than anyone who gives him credit for is that guy. And the person I'm talking about is Ja'Cory Brooks. He, he's made the, what I, I'm, I'm going to start calling it, the Bama circuit. Like it's a, 300, a 180 degrees. We, oh, you know, five star didn't make a massive impact statistically as a freshman. He made the big play against Auburn, but he didn't. He wasn't an impactful freshman in terms of volume of catches and yards. He's not a burner. He's not a big play guy. He's not a throwing the screen and he's going to take it eighty yards to the house. He's not that guy. And he was a five star, and he was recruited by everybody. And it turns out maybe he's not Smitty or Judy, or Ridley. Maybe he's not that. But now he's been there two years, and I look back at his career, and his highlight tape, and his numbers, and I'm like, how are we underrating Ja'Cory Brooks? I'm not telling you guys that he's been Rugs or Judy this whole time, and we're ignoring it. I'm just saying he's a good football player. He's, go- he's good. Now, is he awesome? There's just different levels and tiers to everything. It's not awesome. He's not probably a first-round pick, but he's a good player, and that's one guy I think we can count on. I think Benson has made a very splashy arrival, and the coaches did not put him with the first team because he was a highly rated recruit. They put him with the first team because he earned it in just a matter of a handful of practices. We should be impressed by that, Jermaine Burton, and we'll get on him later. And yeah, I agree. He was pretty bad on Saturday. I, I, I agree, and he's had other times where he's frustrated us in the past. But he also has fifteen hundred receiving yards in the SEC and, and fifteen touchdowns. And he's probably going to end his career with two thousand and twenty, and you know two thousand yards and twenty touchdowns. And, and what I've been admonishing some people on the board for, because I've just been around the sport to know, and I'll, I'll end it on this, Clint. I've just been around the sport long enough to know about how we're always so fascinated with the shiny new toy. Uh, these guys that are fans are super excited about at wide receiver, whether it's bond, whether it's Prentice, whether it's Kendrick law, some of them won't have 2000 career yards and 20 touchdowns. And Jermaine Burton will, you know, so let's get over the fact that he, that he, he's not good. Of course he's good. You can't put up those numbers in this league and not be good. I mean, so he's a good player. So I think receiver, we're okay, and and some young guys need to emerge to make us better than okay, but overall, I think we're panicking a little much, though I agree that there are issues.
1: I don't think we put enough of an emphasis, whether it's us covering or whether it's fans watching or studying or learning or whatever. I don't think we put enough of an emphasis on – Guys who work extremely hard. Everybody was done with Jalen Hurts after his sophomore year. Everybody loved him. Uh, Alabama fans loved him. Don't get me wrong. But nobody had an issue, and he stuck around for his, his third year. And really, he won everybody over during that third year. If he doesn't stay, if he leaves after his sophomore year, the way that he would have left, in my opinion, would have been a little bit different. I'm not saying that fans wouldn't have still loved him as a person. I'm not saying that nobody would try to claim him now. I'm saying that just what he did as far as coming in for Tua, growing like he he did, working behind the scenes, not causing any trouble, coming in in the same way in the epic fashion in the SEC championship and leading Alabama to a win that helped them get back to the national championship. Um, I mean, that is something... Um, that really won over fans, and that's why when he left, it was just a, it was a different scenario by that point. But he was an extremely hard worker. We didn't take into account how much better he could be due to his work ethic, and he's shown it. Uh, we've seen other guys do that as well. Uh, two two guys that are already doing extremely well due to their work ethic, and which is why I personally think they're going to be pretty special is Caleb Downs and Justice Haynes. Uh, but one thing that we always heard about with Jacory Brooks was that he was an extremely hard worker. You know, you had guys in that wide receiver room that year who were young, and they thought they should be playing more, and they thought they were better than some of the guys that were ahead of them, and it was causing problems. Jacory Brooks simply put his head down as a five-star player, the top-ranked wide receiver that Alabama assigned that year, and he went to work on special teams. How can I impact and help this football team? And he, and he blocked and he did special teams. And those two things helped get him on the field early, and then he slowly started to see his role grow. I don't think we take into account enough the fact that he could be a much better player right now than the player you saw on New Year's Eve just four months ago. Like, he he is probably a much better player, and that's what we've heard. And you watch some of those routes that he ran. I mean, everybody knows, and I was I posted the, the clip, to highlight the movement of Caleb Downs, but everybody else, not everybody, but a lot of people saw the struggles with Kool-Aid because Ja'Cory Brooks absolutely torched him. I mean, it was it was pretty ugly, and and that's just the improvement. Like, those two guys have been battling all throughout fall camp. It, don't you think that Kool-Aid McEntry probably has made Ja'Cory Brooks a little bit better? And we saw that play. We saw the touchdown catch that he had from Jalen Monroe in the corner of the end zone. He's doing that against the cornerback that everybody's saying is one of the best cornerbacks in college football, if not the best cornerback. So don't we think Ja'Cory Brooks has probably gotten better? Shouldn't we have probably seen this coming? Uh, So my point is, is I completely agree with you. I think with Ja'Cory Brooks, very special talent coming out of high school, great work ethic, right attitude, and you've seen him continue to get better. I thought he was a better player last year than he was the year before. The quarterback play is what was a little bit different because – you know, of injury, whether it affected Bryce Young or Bryce Young actually having a miss, you know, that's going to affect his numbers as well. But he's been a clutch player. He's come up in big moments when they needed him to. And so, yeah, I completely agree with your take about Corey Rooks.
0: Yeah. It's just like, like I said, he was, he's, he's made the circuit overrated to underrated. And uh, as far as the young guys, uh, I'm high on Bond. He, he he had some bad drops, and I think there was a drop or two in a scrimmage too. So I mean, Bond Bond's got we know what he's got to work on. You don't have to work on running faster. You <laughs> don't have to work on being more athletic. Uh, Bond's got to learn to play the wide receiver position at a high level, which means route running, which means blocking, which means that jugs machine. Being a guy who catches the football, being dependable, can we depend on Isaiah Bond? You know, and maybe that's a 2024 thing, frankly, and that's okay. It, it's okay that it takes time, like you said with Brooks, one year better. The, the hard workers show up one year better, and and maybe maybe with Bond it'll be. The, Prentice, to me is the most natural of those receivers we signed that big group. He's the guy who played first. Because it seems that Kobe Prentice has a real natural feel to the wide receiver position. He's just not an insane athlete like Bond. You know, I think with Prentice, he's just uh, he's an he's a SEC athlete. He's a a good SEC athlete. He's not phenomenal, Uh, but he's a good player. And Kendrick Law is a guy I think made a real move this spring. I think Kendrick Law's. The freshman that took a big leap—they say your biggest improvement can be year one to year two. I think Kendrick Law the poster child for that concept of year one to year two, different player. We knew he was physical. I think he's now bringing playmaking into it. He had a drop or two, but I, I don't think that's going to be a thing with him. I think you—you you already talked about it. The hard worker. I think Kendrick Law is the Jacory Brooks of that group. I mean, this is a physical. How can I help the team? I'm not about how many catches I get. I'm about winning the game and doing what I can to help the team win. But he works so hard. He's he's definitely going to be the guy that's one year better every year. So I, I like the group Emmanuel Henderson. We don't talk about enough. Uh, he should. He's good enough to be in the rotation. Do we have the room to really play seven guys? I think all these young guys are going to eat into Burton snaps, you know, for all you that are just stay angry at Jermaine Burton. I think these young guys are going to eat into his snaps, but Burton is still going to be a big part of things. He's the ex- most experienced, oldest guy who's, who's who's put up all these numbers. We're not going to just, you know, sit him in, in, in favor of guys who haven't really played much. So I, I, I love this the, the numbers. I think they'll all, all be better. They need to be better because they need to help this quarterback. You know, whoever the new quarterback is, needs the wide receivers to help him. Get open, create separation, create yourself, make yourself a big, easy target for for the new quarterback. But overall, I like the group, but it's still not what it was, uh, obviously, but I think it can be a net positive unit.
1: Well, one thing you can't get out of Jermaine Burton are the drops, like John Mechie, he couldn't have afforded to have been the guy who dropped passes. The, the more extreme example is you can't be Slade Bolden dropping passes because that is what you provide. You're, you're not, Jam- Jameson Williams can drop passes because Jameson Williams is a game-breaking, game-changing talent. And so, I mean, it was it felt like that cat was good for like one drop every week. But yet he'd still put up 100-plus yards and five or six catches and, and and just do some things that absolutely wow you. Jermaine Burton is not that player. He can be a good player. He is a good player. But the thing that he can't do is drop passes. And that's what was most disappointing about the 8A performance. That's one single scrimmage. I don't know. what we do know that Nick Saban brought up um, in at least one press conference that he needed to become more consistent. That, you know, a lot of the small details to playing the position at a high level, he needed to work on and get better and, you know, become that player. And, you know, so far, the the A-Day game did not reflect a guy who was moving in the right direction on that front. Doesn't mean that he he wasn't from the point that Nick Saban said it and it was just an off day and Nick Saban saw everything else. Because he mentioned Jermaine Burton had a good spring. Like, I don't think, I I think a lot that's lost on a lot of people. After the A-Day game, that's what Nick Saban said was mentioning a lot of other receivers but he mentioned jermaine burton as being one of those guys so i don't think it, that people should count him out um let's talk about the tight ends and then we'll hop out of here and we'll talk about the outside linebackers defensive line and running backs on thursday uh, morning it's draft day so probably won't spend a ton of time on that but wait, i'm gonna be doing a recruiting podcast with bone tomorrow looking forward to that but jimmy the tight end play first of all we figured out real quick the tight ends are going to be heavily involved in this offense. Like, I I heard something about Tommy Reese kind of downplayed, you know, that they're really happy with the receivers, and, you know, he he didn't, I think he's downplaying just how big of a role these guys are going to have. But it was clear. I mean, six of the first 10 catches of the game on Saturday went to a tight end. And by halftime, that number had shrunk significantly. It was 8 of 24, but that's still a 33.3% share. And that's still a large number compared to where the tight end position, as far as being targeted, has been in the past. So what did you think about this tight end group? Who stood out to you? Who you know, are you curious about as we head into the summer?
0: Yeah, I love the group. I I love the group. It's not like, oh, I love CJ Dupree or I love Danny Lewis. I I love the group. I think Lewis is the interesting story because I don't think that's something that we all saw coming in terms of I now consider Danny Lewis a first-team player. I mean, he's going to play with the ones, no doubt. He's going to play with the ones in the games, and he'll be in the first quarter of the game against LSU or Tennessee or any of them. He's a first-team player to me, along with C.J. Dupree, along with Amari Black, along with probably Robbie Oost, who who missed the whole spring. But Robbie's an experienced, big-bodied player that's proven himself as as a pretty good blocker uh, I, I suppose we're going to continue to see Oost with the ones too. So you got four, and that's fun. You you can mix and match all those guys. Uh, I, I like the group. I, I don't see a star. I think Amari could be the closest thing to that, but he's got to make big leaps as a blocker. So he plays a lot more snaps. I think Amari's not going to play a ton of snaps because he's not the blocker the other guys are, uh, and and the guys who block are going to be the guys who play because hey, you can use a blocker, you can use a a tight end that blocks on every single snap when he's not catching the ball because they block in the run game and they also block in the pass game for whoever catches the ball, you know. So I I like the group. I think they were good on Saturday. I, I don't think there's a superstar, but I also think very few teams in the country will get more production or more quality snaps. Out of our four guys that we can keep fresh for 60 minutes, uh, and I primarily see it as C.J. Dupree and Danny Lewis at the Y spot, sharing the Y responsibilities, Omari Nyblack and Robbie Us sharing the H responsibilities. Now, there'll be some mix and match. The Ys might play some at H. The H Hs may play some at Y. But I, I just like the group as a whole, and they're going to help Alabama win football games.
1: I was surprised at how much – Alabama was splitting out all these tight ends. They were flexing them a lot, a lot more than I was expecting. Danny Lewis was flexed a ton. Uh, CJ Dupree, which wasn't surprising. I've mentioned that multiple times. Amari Black is the one that makes the most sense to be flexed, uh, which I like that. And we did notice, it, it felt like that as soon as they would cross the 50-yard line, the the targets towards Amari Nablack, it was like he started, the closer you get to the the red zone and the goal line, the, the more I feel like you want to start looking at Amari in the block. And it kind of felt that way at times throughout the scrimmage. But I was shocked at how my, the, the usage. And I think that it will look a little bit different. Uh, part of that th- makes me think that was by design. Like Tommy Reese kind of downplayed the tight end usage when he was asked about it. And Alabama didn't run. They ran some 12 personnel. They had it on the field. And they had some, you know, guy, multiple guys lining up on the line of scrimmage, essentially acting as an H-back. But you didn't see a whole lot of hammering the football out of those formations, or at least not as much as I thought you would. And so I think that was the part that was more of they're not trying to reveal exactly what the offense is going to look like under Tommy Reese. And everybody kind of sees it coming, but I think they're trying to throw everybody off. And I do think that if you really start using a lot more of those formations and committing to run the football, which you did not see from Alabama on Saturday – you know, using those tight ends, using a big guy like Danny Lewis or CJ Dupree or Robbie Oots, I think they'll have more success running the football. I do worry about Oots, I'm not gonna lie. And it's through nothing that he's done whatsoever. I think Danny Lewis has made a ton of progress. I think CJ Dupree is going to be a part of this Alabama offense. And I think you no know, Amari Nablack is the guy that kind of he offers the the biggest change of pace at the position. And so it makes me wonder where does Oots fit into this? And who do you end up sending to the bench? Because I think Danny Lewis has earned a role if he continues to to do as well as he did based off what we heard in the spring and what I saw in the A-Day game. And Dupree's not getting left out. I thought he did just fine. And he's kind of been slowed a little bit through a foot injury or a lower body injury of some sort. And so he's going to be involved. I think Amari Black to some degree is going to be involved. So what is left roots? And, and I hope that he continues to be involved in, in one way or the other. But just that injury, I think, really set him back compared to some of these other guys. And it's unfortunate. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out. It might not affect him at all. But just think that that's worth mentioning. All right, Jimmy, we only got a couple more minutes. So do you have any more final thoughts on the tight ends or the offensive line before we get out of here?
0: No, uh, like you said, of the four tight ends, I can see playing with the ones, those four guys. I agree that Us is going to see fewer snaps than the other three. Makes sense to me. However, uh, you know, in the past, we've been so short on high-quality tight ends that we've moved a defensive lineman over to the offense and short yardage situations. I just don't think we have to do that anymore. I, I think Lewis and 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 C.J. Dupree on the line of scrimmage would be great, and then you put Oost in the backfield uh, block and in, in, in the H-slash-fullback-type role.
1: Which is done. I think Oost
0: is really good at that, and I think that might ultimately be how he helps the team the most in the fall is what amounts to as a fullback and short yardage clearing the way. How for, dare uh, you? For Alabama's talented backs.
1: How dare you try to take away the campaign that we're about to start where we're trying to push to get Jaheim Otis at fullback at some point this season? I, <laughs> uh, hey, ever since Terrence Cody, man, I've been like, give me somebody that I would just love. And I mean, we see saw it with Deron Payne and other guys too, but. Uh, Otis at fullback on some of those goal lines. That'd be pretty fun.
0: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And and that, that would be fun, and I'm sure that's something that, that we, we could actually see that. I'm just saying we used to do it out of absolute necessity. Right. not sure it's, it's necessary anymore because we've recruited well, and now we've bought in an offensive coordinator who I think has a really good plan on how to use these guys to benefit the
1: offense. Right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm just messing with you. That that's That's a great analysis of it. I've had fun with this conversation. Like I said, we'll talk about the running backs and the defensive line and the outside linebackers on Thursday. Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. I appreciate everybody who's listening. Uh, Once again, this is the Bam on 3 show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb.